This podcast is brought to you by Recontract, the leading software to automate your reconditioning process. From vehicles to people to parts, Recontract streamlines every touchpoint in your recon process. Visit recontract.com slash AN to learn more. That's R-E-C-O-N-T-R-A-C dot com slash AN. Welcome to Daily Drive for Tuesday, March 21st, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show... A few automakers are finding ways to expand certified pre-owned sales, which fell to an eight-year low in 2022. Ford and Subaru named key executives. And Scout CEO Scott Keough talks about why the brand chose its home in South Carolina. Plus, the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank has sparked global financial drama. We'll talk with an auto tech veteran about SVB's role in the startup economy and what it means for the world of autos. The learnings that the auto industry has had from its cycles and dealing with painful times has given the industry a muscle that is really critically important. In fact, I think Bode's needing others to then also build that muscle and especially in Silicon Valley. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Sales of certified used vehicles in the U.S. fell in 2022 to their lowest level in eight years. Last year, sales of certified pre-owned vehicles dropped to about 2.5 million. That's down almost 9.5% from 2021, according to the Automotive News Research and Data Center. It was the lowest annual volume since 2014, when 2.3 million certified sales were recorded. After years of depressed vehicle production caused by the COVID-19 pandemic, supply of the lightly used models that have traditionally made up the CPO market is tight. Yet some automakers reported an increase in certified used vehicle sales last year. How'd they do it? Mostly by making more vehicles eligible for the CPO label. Hyundai, for instance, added older vehicles or those with more miles to qualify, Ford was among the brands that added a second tier of CPO offering. Ford has hired former ESAB Corp executive John Dion as its next chief transformation officer. The automaker is looking to cut costs, overcome quality woes, and improve its operational execution. Dion, who was vice president of business excellence at the American Swedish industrial company, will begin his new role on April 3rd and report to CEO Jim Farley. Dion replaces Stuart Rowley, who retired at the end of 2022. Subaru of America is also announcing a key hire. It's promoting one of its regional vice presidents to lead its U.S. sales operations effective April 1st. Troy Poston currently serves as Eastern Regional Vice President of Subaru's U.S. sales operations. He's a 26-year veteran of the brand's field and regional sales operations. Poston succeeds Jeff Walters, who will transition to the brand's top U.S. role. Walters will become president and CEO as regional CEO Tom Dahl steps down from day-to-day management and assumes an advisory role. Scout Motors chose a greenfield site just north of Columbia, South Carolina, for a new $2 billion factory, in part because it was, quote, ready to go. That's according to Scout CEO Scott Keough, who spoke with reporters in a video conference call on Monday. The reason we landed here is, I think, all of the reasons that we laid out, that a site was ready. The government, you know, basically the governor himself put together an EV council, if you will, to make sure his state was ready to take advantage of these things. 
And then, as you mentioned, there's installed infrastructure uh, in the state, of course, as, as the supply base is here from all the brands uh, that you've referenced. But I think the number one thing that drove us was the access to the workforce. South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster signed a $1.3 billion incentive package into law Monday. Local media report that it includes infrastructure work, loans, and a $400 million grant to Scout Motors. Keogh said Scout's first concept vehicle would be shown in spring 2024. Production is set to begin in 2026. The still young Genesis luxury brand continues to hit growth milestones in the U.S. That's even though its dealer network has been slow to step up and construct standalone stores. But now, the brand just had two more dedicated retail locations open this month, including Genesis of Appleton in Wisconsin. Out of the brand's 270 dealerships, only four so far are in standalone stores. Genesis of Appleton dealer principal Tim Bergstrom says standalone facilities enable an elevated luxury experience. And without them, Genesis, which launched in 2016, will remain at a disadvantage against more established premium brands. There are about 100 stores in some phase of development under the brand's Keystone program for retail design which was rolled out in 2020. Most Genesis dealers are just selling the luxury vehicles out of their Hyundai stores. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, I sent you some late night text messages last <laughs> night. Is there anything you want to ask me? Kel, I got to ask. You You were at the Las Vegas edition of the Roadkill Nights yesterday, the big uh, Dodge muscle car uh, party festivity, whatever you want to call it. This was actually a reveal of the Dodge Challenger SRT Demon 170. Man, how was it? Well, besides the fact that I was choking on a lot of smoke because of the burning out of tires, it was really cool. It was it was it was what you would expect from that type of Dodge event. Mm. It was very over the top. The car itself was amazing, over a thousand horsepower. It ran the quarter mile right there in front of us, which it did in 8.9 seconds. 0 to 60 in 1.6 seconds. And the, the funny part is they nickname it the 170 because it takes 70, 170, excuse me, octane gasoline. So it was massive. And they flew the thing in on a helicopter. They brought it in on a helicopter. Whoa. This is crazy. All the way over oh, the yeah. top. Well, coming up. We'll hear from an auto tech veteran about the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and what it means for the industry. That's next on Daily Drive. Across the Hendrick Automotive Group, each store had a different reconditioning process. They started looking for a solution that would help them standardize their processes, give them actionable information, and ultimately drive efficiency. Knowing they needed to bring together all pieces of their operation to cut cycle times down to their goal of three days, they chose ReconTrack. Chris Little, Vice President of Variable Operations, explains why having the tools to measure your recon process gives you what you need to manage it more effectively. Everyone knows speed uh, to the front line uh, equates to more turns, which helps the overall company do better in terms of parts service and inventory bias. And so uh, when you can really take the time to measure and manage that uh, and perfect that, uh, you're going to increase your turns, you're going to increase your gross profit, and you're really just going to increase the amount of used cars you can sell uh, because you're getting them out on the front line. 
Hi, I'm Pete Bigelow, host of Shift, a podcast about mobility from Automotive News. Each week, I bring you a conversation with leaders who are on the cutting edge of transportation, like this one with consultant and strategist Salika Josiah Talbot. The technologists are forcing themselves in a space that they shouldn't be. And I think the social scientists and politicians are falling down on the job. To hear more about the new technology and policy reshaping the way people and goods move around, join me on Shift. New episodes each Sunday on autonews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. It's the biggest bank failure since the Great Recession. Silicon Valley Bank was the 16th largest bank in the U.S. before, in the span of just a few days, it collapsed. That implosion has had ripple effects across the financial system and the global economy more broadly. To make sense of what this means for the auto industry specifically, I spoke with Shauna McIntyre. She has a wealth of experience valuable to this topic. She's been at Ford and Honeywell, McKinsey and Google, just to name a few. She's currently on the board of Lithia Motors, America's largest auto dealership group, and she's had key roles in a number of tech startups. Here's my conversation with Shauna. Shauna McIntyre, welcome back to Daily Drive. Thanks, Jamie. Great to be here. Let's get right into it. You know, when you were CEO of Sense Photonics in the digital LiDAR space, you used Silicon Valley Bank, uh, the company did. What did you think when you heard the news about the run on the bank and its ultimate collapse? Oh, it was complete fear that, you know, the first thing, first job you have as a CEO is, you know, the basic thing to do as a startup is you you need to make payroll. (laughs) And so the first thing I thought of was, man, I had been a customer of Silicon Valley Bank. They had been very good to me as a CEO of a small company. And if I wasn't going to be able to make payroll in a few days time, that would have been just the most horrific thing I can imagine. And so uh, I was very scared, very fearful for my startup, you know, brethren, the other folks that are out there braving the startup world. And so grateful then that they got, uh, that the feds came in. So, I mean, like when you're running a startup, you don't have like, five different banking relationships because you're just trying to keep it going, right? That's right. (laughs) So all your eggs are in in that bank. Really, that's very true. And you also, you might have a cash balance, but you're always out raising more cash as a startup. And so, you know, you don't have time. And maybe if you have a lot of cash, then you're looking at diversifying where that cash is. But really, that's not your primary focus as a driver of of a smaller company. You're focused on the product, the customers, the team, the so much else. So by having your eggs in one basket as a ba- at a bank, that's kind of par for the course. It's not unusual. Yeah, m- more efficient, I'm sure. SVB you know, is a Silicon Valley bank, literally a Silicon Valley bank, was really tied into that startup culture, wasn't it? Yeah, and they were great to us. The people at the bank were really helpful to us as entrepreneurs, as small company owners and leaders. I remember raising money and calling them on the hour, emailing them on the hour <laughs> saying, is a, you know, is a wire come through yet? Where is it? I don't see it in the bank account. Um, and they were so good to us. And I know that there are countless people still there working really hard hours to, to make it right for customers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we always think of startups, you know, as getting funding, you know, from venture capital, from other investors doing, you know, series funding. What is the role of a, of a bank, a mid-sized bank like Silicon Valley Bank? Are, are they lenders to startups or is it just like serving as a, you know, a regular bank where you save, you have savings account and checking accounts mm-hmm. and you can make payments from? Yeah, well, they had that. Certainly we had the, the accounts, we had our business cards, our travel and expense, but we also had debt actually. So they provided a certain level of debt uh, and they were, you know, showed their belief in us and our business plan. 
for them to provide that level of debt. So they were a true partner mm -hmm. and an important partner. Uh, and their, their stability is what allowed us to take more risks, uh, to make sure that our money, we assumed our money was safe. And the role of the bank is one to provide that stability to companies that are otherwise focused elsewhere, focused on the customer, focused on the technology, making a difference in the world. They need the stability of that bank mm -hmm. to be there for them for these basic needs. So the latest reports out today indicate that the San Francisco Fed, the regional branch of the Federal Reserve, had been flagging concerns about Silicon Valley Bank as far back as 2021. Had, had you been hearing any whispers or concerns about it? Were you in the, the Peter Thiel group chat that started no, the run? Not, I have not <laughs> been invited to that group chat yet, but I would be open to it. No, um, no, I didn't hear any rumblings. Uh, I do wonder why they didn't heed the, the concerns that were being raised. I think that's really those are questions for their leadership and their board. You know, I do think that they're. You know, I might suggest there might have been some hubris going on that, you know, how could they possibly fail? I think the auto industry may have, before the OA downturn, may have had a little bit of that. But the learnings that the auto industry has had from its cycles and dealing with painful times has given the industry a muscle that is really critically important. In fact, I think bodes needing others to then also build that muscle, and especially in Silicon Valley, where, yes, startups might fail here and there, but they're never big enough to make a big impact. And so for Silicon Valley Bank to fail that has that level of knowledge or, or um, reputation, mm -hmm. right, reputational risk and, and the importance that it places and has in such a, a vital community, they, there should have been no room for hubris and there never is room for hubris. So I would really like to understand why they didn't uh, heed the concerns that had been raised as far back as 2021. Of course, uh, now you, you've had so much experience throughout the industry. Now one of your key roles is as a board member at, at Lithia Motors, the mm -hmm. nation's largest auto group. Are you guys worried about the state of, you know, the whole banking system? You know, we've seen that people are talking about, you know, trying to fight contagion. You know, we've seen some some concerns in, in Europe and Switzerland in particular mm -hmm. of some other U.S. banks. Obviously, SVB is not the only one. It was just the, the first and one of the most mm -hmm. prominent. But I mean, are you all worried about the the general financial system at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Lithia is bigger than banking with SVB. I think, we know, the, the, there are other relationships there. But I think overall, personally, I'm not too concerned. Perhaps I'm an eternal optimist. But, you know, I do think there was regulation put in place in the 08 downturn that really made our bank stronger and more resilient. And there was a turn away from that. Or there was a 2018, there was a, a turn away from that for those smaller banks. And so, you know, I think that's what we're paying the price for now. Um, but otherwise, I think the larger banks are showing leadership and I have full confidence in, in the larger bank system. Yeah, you know, it, it is always this push and pull for any regulator, uh, you know, between trying to make, put on more rules to protect people and systems and then trying to not have so many rules that the systems can't thrive and, and operate. And, and it is a challenge. We, we had Glass-Steagall for 80 years or so, and then watered it down. And then we had a global financial crisis and we got Dodd-Frank and then, you know, we peeled back a little of that. And now we're having, having this, whatever it is, near crisis, uh, certainly mm -hmm. a, a scare through the system, always a challenge to find the right balance. But it's just so like you've made the point, you know, it's the, the need for stability in the banking system. It's just so essential to letting risk takers take their risks. Exactly. Exactly. With a service model that supports 
these needy customers. You know, I think that uh, not every bank would be open to a client calling every hour <laughs> on the hour wondering if the wire went through. So, no, um, I think that's uh, just par for the course with eager startups and high growth environments. But you do need that security of, of knowing where your capital is and uh, making sure you can access it. Shauna McIntyre, thank you again for joining us today. Thank you, Jamie. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Callan Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own CJ Moore, Michael Martinez, Larry Valquette, and Carly Schaffner for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on finance, manufacturing, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thank you.